the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The ongoing war in Ukraine. Nobody's going to break us. We're strong. We're Ukrainians. President Joe Biden's first State of the Union address. The first thoughts here are that this is a strangely state-of-the-course speech. And the ruble rumbles. They're sending Russia back to the 20th century in terms of its financial standing. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, March 2nd. I'm Mike Scott. War continues in Ukraine. Russian attacks on Ukraine intensified Tuesday as President Volodymyr Zelensky delivered an emotional video address to the European Parliament. Speaking through an interpreter, Zelensky told EU leaders what Ukrainians are fighting for. We are fighting just for our land and for our freedom. Despite the fact that all large cities of our country are now blocked, nobody is going to enter and intervene with our freedom and country. And believe you me, every square of today, no matter what it's called, is going to be called as today Freedom Square in every city of our country. Nobody is going to break us. We're strong. We're Ukrainians. Meanwhile, Ukrainian National Security and Defense Council Chief Oleski Danilo announced during a briefing that Ukrainian forces had foiled an assassination plot against President Zelensky. Byron York, chief political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, joined the Salem Radio Network discussing how America is assisting Ukrainians in their fight against Russia. On the calls for a no-fly zone over Ukraine, York had this to say. We have had talk, uh, Adam Kinzinger, the Republican member of Congress, called for a no-fly zone a few days ago. We've had other people call for a no-fly zone. She's calling for a no-fly zone. And and the reason is, I mean, you see these aerial photographs of this enormous um, Russian convoy headed toward Kyiv. And I think uh, any American or military person would think uh, highway of death. I mean, this is something that uh, United States or NATO forces could just take out um, if they wanted to start uh, a, a big war in Europe. And... They're not going to do it. Could the U.S. implement further sanctions? There are further economic sanctions although, that we could do, although the economic sanctions that Biden has imposed, I'm sure he would say, have just been in, in, in place for literal, literally hours, I mean, a couple of days. Uh, and these are things that, remember, at the press conference the other day, he, he said, well, you know, let's have a conversation in a month and see where they are. These sanctions are not designed to immediately 
cripple. I mean, my, like by by noon, cripple the Russian economy. They're they're designed to take uh, effect over a longer period of time. York went on to explain what worries him currently. The greatest worry, I mean, that I personally have. I mean, the goal is the goal is to get Russia out of an independent Ukraine. Um, the I think all of us have been struck by how bad the Russian military has been and effective the resistance has been. And I think what we're thinking about now is trying to get Putin to have some sort of exit ramp out of Ukraine before going before doing something like he did in Grozny in Chechnya. Turning to Capitol Hill during his State of the Union address, President Joe Biden announced the U.S. is following Canada and the EU and banning Russian planes from its airspace in retaliation for the invasion of Ukraine. And tonight, I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy says the Biden administration needs to get weapons in the hands of Ukrainian defenders as soon as possible. We cannot sit around and wait, whereas this administration told us that they would send the COVID test to you, just get online. People waited two and three months. That same thing cannot happen to Ukraine when we're supposed to send them weapons. McCarthy says the U.S. must provide Ukraine with weapons to defend itself. They're not asking for American men and women to fight. They're just asking to have some supplies so they could at least have a fair fight. America has a long history with standing those who believe for freedom. And we need to keep the responsibility that we have led once again. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says now is not the time for partisan bickering over the U.S. response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Above all, we should be bipartisan on this issue. Nothing would make Putin happier than having Democrats and Republicans divided. President Biden has done an incredibly good job on Ukraine. All the naysayers, a lot of our Republican friends, wanted us to pass the sanctions bill before uh, uh, the Russians invaded. That would have torn the alliance apart. The Europeans would have walked away. Schumer says the U.S. approach to sanctions on Russia is working. Now we've seen, amazingly, everyone predicted, oh, they won't do SWIFT. They won't do the Russian Central Bank. But with the European support and encouragement, and they suffer far more from these sanctions than we do, it's all happening. So I believe that President Biden's done a great job. I believe the country uh, wants to follow his lead. I believe the country does not want to see partisan fights. State of the Union. President Joe Biden at his first State of the Union speech, pointing to rallying allies abroad while also outlining his plans at home to fight inflation and the fading but still dangerous coronavirus. Looking at the conflict in Ukraine, the president spoke about the effort to defeat Vladimir Putin and Russia. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, 
He met with a wall, a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. Biden says U.S. forces will not be fighting in Ukraine, but are standing by to help NATO allies. But let me be clear. Our forces are not engaged and will not engage in the conflict with Russian forces in Ukraine. Our forces are not going to Europe to fight Ukraine, but to defend our NATO allies in the event that Putin decides to keep moving west. For that purpose, we have mobilized American ground forces, air squadrons, ship deployments to protect NATO countries, including Poland, Romania, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And as I've made crystal clear, the United States and our allies will defend every inch of territory that is NATO territory with the full force of our collective power. Every single inch. Later, the president laid out his plan to fight skyrocketing inflation without threatening America's paychecks. And so we have a choice. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. <laughs> folks. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America. More infrastructure and innovation in America. More goods moving faster and cheaper in America. More jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. Look, economists, increasing the productive capacity of our economy of our economy i call it building a better america <laughs> my plan to fight inflation will lower your cost and lower the deficit the president also took aim at high drug prices vowing his proposals would save americans on their health care bills and here's the plan first cut the cost of prescription drugs We pay more for the same drug produced by the same company in America than any other country in the world. Just look at insulin. One in 10 Americans has diabetes. In Virginia, I met a 13-year-old boy, the handsome young man standing up there, Joshua Davis. He and his dad both have type 1 diabetes which means they need insulin every single day. Insulin costs about $10 a vial to make. That's what it costs the, the pharmaceutical company. But drug companies charge families like Joshua and his dad up to 30 times that amount. Biden tried to pump up his already dead Build Back Better bill by asking for another Green New Deal. Let's cut energy costs for families. An average of $500 a year by combating climate change. Let's provide an investment tax credit to weatherize your home and your business, to be energy efficient and get a tax credit for it. 
Double America's clean energy production in solar, wind, and so much more. Lower the price of electric vehicles, saving another $80 a month that you're not going to have to pay at the pump. <laughs> Folks. Ed Morrissey, senior editor at HotAir.com and host of The Ed Morrissey Show, joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to give us his first thoughts on President Biden's first State of the Union address. The first thoughts here are that this is a strangely stay-the-course uh, speech for a guy who's in the middle of a confidence crisis cascade, the polling debacle. I mean, this was an opportunity for him to do a reset and maybe focus on some other uh, issues. Instead, he talked about Build Back Better without ever mentioning the words Build Back Better, went back to the election federalizing law that crashed and burned, went back to some of the other initiatives that have crashed and burned. He didn't offer anything new on any of these uh, on any of these fronts. He talked about the war on cancer, which he talked about you know, endlessly. This is a guy who basically presented the same old laundry list and apparently thinks that, the, that that's really popular with the American public. What would he have liked to have seen in the president's speech? I think I would have preferred a... Uh, an approach that recognized some of the failures that he has made, especially in terms of the schools, especially in terms of the bad decisions that were made in keeping schools closed, the bad decisions that were that were made in uh, the masking guidelines from the CDC. And in fact, I think what would have helped a lot is a recognition that the CDC process has become thoroughly corrupted and that there's a need to rebuild credibility in that agency. And Instead, he again spoke as though there weren't any problems whatsoever and that the CDC had maximum credibility on this when they clearly lost the American public. I, I think those are the types of things I would have liked to have heard, just some sort of recognition of reality. And it just is it just wasn't there. Our thanks to Ed Morrissey for joining the Daybreak Insider podcast. You can read more from Ed on hotair.com. Not all Democrats were on board with President Joe Biden's speech. Representing the progressive wing of the party, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib gave her rebuttal. In response to Biden's assertion that he would fund the police, Tlaib had this to say. We can't police away homelessness, poverty or mental health crisis in our country. Care. Care, not more criminalization, is how we ensure lasting safety for all. Tlaib also took aim at Republicans. Republicans are trying to destroy our, destroy our political power of working class families, and they're willing to tear down our democracy to do it. They say the violent insurrection on January 6th is, quote, legitimate political expression, and that corporate super PAC spending dominating our elections is just free speech. Tlaib also took a swing at the GOP over voting rights. The Republicans act like the real danger to our democracy is having enough voting booths in black neighborhoods, mail-in ballots, fair district lines. Looking toward the midterms, Tlaib had this prediction. The midterm elections are coming up fast. And this year, we can elect working families majority we all need. We know what happens when the Republicans take power. They protect the rich, target and target the rest of us. They attack and undermine voting rights, women's rights, workers' rights, immigrants, people of color, and our LGBTQ community. And they block progress on climate change. Meanwhile, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds gave the Republican response, summing it up by saying, Republicans may not have the White House, but we're doing what we can to fill the leadership vacuum. And on the issues that are affecting Americans, Republicans are leading. 
We're standing up for parents and kids. We're standing up for life. We're keeping our communities safe and thanking those in uniform. We're fighting to restore America's energy independence, and that includes biofuels. We're getting people back to work, not paying them to stay home. Mask on, mask off. Several Democrat states and cities have rescinded mask mandates and other pandemic-related measures. New polling shows that Americans' concerns over the spread of coronavirus are eroding, as well as support for mask mandates in public places. According to the poll, in August 2021, 65% were extremely or very concerned over the spread of infectious disease. Now, only 48% are extremely or very worried. 33% are moderately concerned. Protesting the few states hanging on to their mask mandates, the Freedom Convoy USA 2022 co-chair Michael Letts says that their rally is a peaceful protest by people who are against virus lockdown mandates. Truckers are concerned that it's affecting their livelihood. Parents are concerned that it's affecting their employment. And children are concerned that it's affecting their well-being. Let's went on to say that his message, among other concerns, is that the nation can ill afford thousands of vaccination-related police layoffs. These mandates are hurting our public safety. They're hurting our law enforcement. They must end. They must end today. A rumble over the ruble. Despite emergency measures to prop up its currency, the ruble crashed again against the dollar and nearly returned to its post-Soviet low set Monday. The demolition of the ruble, combined with the harsh sanctions over Putin's war in Ukraine, now threatens the standard of living in Russia. Forbes reports that Russia's central bank apparently knew enough to start selling off its foreign currency reserves on the day before the invasion of Ukraine. Even that advance notice hasn't helped avoid the ruble turning in to rubble. Sanctions are for the Biden administration. Dalip Singh joined MSNBC to discuss the sanctions on the Russian economy, what it's doing, and how it will impact the American people. The removal of uh, Russian banks from the SWIFT financial network and the sanctioning of the Russian central bank are unprecedented in their impact. Uh, and they're sending Russia back to the 20th century in terms of its financial standing. Singh explains how the sanctions are able to work against the Russian economy. What you're doing is you're preventing it from sending messages to other banks in the world to make a payment or receive a payment. It can still use a fax machine. It can still use a phone call. But it is sending that institution back to the 20th century. When you sanction a Russian, when, you, when we sanction the Russian central bank, what we're doing is we're saying there's $630 billion of foreign reserves uh, are no longer so impressive. They can't be used to support the ruble uh, because no U.S., U.K. or European institution is allowed to transact with it. And that's why the ruble went in freefall. On how the sanctions are impacting Russian citizens, Singh had this to say. It lost 30 percent of its value today. It's worth less than a penny. That's going to lead to surging inflation in Russia, a reduction in purchasing power, and a deep economic recession. It's a raw deal for the Russian people, and we expect it's ultimately going to change its strategic calculus. When asked what Americans should be aware of at home, 
Singh says that the U.S. is currently looking for other providers of energy. The point that we've made is that it's not in Russia's interest to weaponize its energy supply. It depends on oil and gas to generate export revenues and to generate budget revenues. But if he does, uh, we're prepared. Uh, we're talking to large oil producers across the world. We're talking to large oil consumers across the world about potentially coordinating a release of our strategic reserves uh, to make sure that prices in the U.S. Uh, at the pump uh, don't increase as a result of Putin's aggression. Meantime, the Russian stock market stayed closed for the second straight day after crashing on Friday. And finally, remembering Andrew Breitbart 10 years after his passing. As an influential blogger and provocateur, he impacted many conservative groups. Breitbart understood that in different media and in different venues, conservatives of all stripes could contribute to the cultural and political debate. He'll be remembered as a co-founder of HuffPost and helping in the early stages of the Drudge Report and remembered by others for the scandals he exposed, like ACORN, NPR, and Anthony Weiner. In my American Studies class where I was hearing the word deconstruction and semiotics a bit too many times, and, and I'm like, what's going on here? What is this language? What are they trying to do? And I started to analyze the courses that I took, and I realized that it was cultural Marxist uh, cultural Marxist stuff. theory. I'm like, this is kind of strange. I thought that this was supposed to be American studies, not German, Italian, nihilistic theory. He taught most conservatives a powerful lesson. If you're not making the left mad, you're not making a difference. Breitbart collapsed suddenly while walking in Brentwood, California on March 1st, 2012. He was 43. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.